Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, I would encourage you. You know, I, I don't know uh, if Satan has the power to manufacture a virus, but I do know that he will use this time to try to hinder your walk with God. So let me encourage you, go grab your Bibles. Make sure you're in your Bible daily. Make sure you're in it. Have your Bible with you when somebody's preaching, whether you're listening to Bethel Baptist Church or wherever you're tuning in. Make sure you have your Bible. It's important that we stay on top of these things, our walk with God. Uh, I think a lot of people have fallen away over this time, and it's a very difficult situation, I understand, but we are responsible for our walk with the Lord. So grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, we're going to read the first five verses. Now, you might say, well, you can take your time this morning, but I need to, I need to move very quickly as, as we normally would. We're still broadcasting at 8.30 and 10.30. Uh, we want to keep the times the same if, if possible, but that means there's Sunday school for two or three different classes at 9.30, and we're trying to make sure that we are uh, aware of that time. So we have about 33, 34 minutes here, and uh, we'll try to get this message in, but there's a lot of content and I really want you to get it this morning. So have your Bibles and be ready. And let's look at Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam, after he begotten Seth, were eight hundred years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were nine hundred and thirty years, and he died. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Father, there's a lot of content to keep straight in our minds today, and I pray the word that your Holy Spirit would teach us, that you would keep it all straight, give me clarity of thought as I share these thoughts, and teach from your word. But I pray, Lord, as we move from teaching to preaching to the application to the heart, Lord, that you would help each one of us to make those applications, that the Holy Spirit would mold us and make us more like Jesus Christ. So, Father, I surrender to you and ask for your filling now. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps you've heard people say, and I'm sure you've heard people say, things like this, we're all God's children. Maybe you've heard something like that, where we've all been created in the image of God. I want to tell you that one of those things is absolutely not true, and the other is only a half-truth. The Bible says this in John chapter 1 and verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. If we were all God's children, we wouldn't need to become the sons of God. That, that title is reserved for those that are walking with God, that have a, a salvation relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We have the power to become the sons of God when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Perhaps you've also heard them say, well, we're all created in the image of God. I, I have said a few times from the pulpit, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I believe that Adam was created in the image of God. And I've just said it in passing, and I, I believe that uh, there's a bigger picture here, and I want to share that with you this morning. I believe it's important that we look and understand where we stand in this creation story. Who are we when it comes to the image of God? And are we still created in the image of God? And if not, and here's where we'll get to the preaching, what must we do to be pleasing to God? 
How can we be back into that place where we can say, well, I'm truly an image bearer of God. I reflect God. I reflect Jesus Christ. I am his representative. And so let's look at that this morning. In Genesis chapter 5, the Bible says, this is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man. Now look what it says, in the likeness of God made he him. Underline the word likeness in your Bible. It's not the same as image, but we're going to look at the word image in a moment. It's similar, but it is not the same. We need to make sure we make that distinction in our minds because we'll see in just a moment how important that is. Verse 2, male and female created he them and blessed them and called, what's it say next? Their name, Adam. Not just Adam, the first man, but he called Adam and Eve Adam. So Adam has two different meanings. Adam was the name of the first created man, Adam and Eve. And we know that his name was Adam. But the word Adam also means uh, the first of a race or humankind is what it means. And so in this sense, in verse 2, it is used in that sense that is he called their name Adam or humankind in the day when they were created. Now verse 3 switches back to the man Adam and Adam lived... 130 years and begat, listen to this, a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. I want you to notice the first thing we'll talk about this morning is that we were created for his pleasure. We are created for his pleasure. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive power and glory and honor, for thou hast created all things, and all things were created for thy pleasure. And so we understand that we were created for a purpose. We understand that we were created for God's fellowship. He placed us on this earth that we might serve him and enter into a loving relationship with him for all eternity. But I want you to notice some things here this morning. The Bible says, first of all, we were created in his image. Look back in Genesis chapter 1 and look with me, if you will, at verse 26. This is very important to our lesson, first of all, and then our preaching to follow. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says, and we're coming on the heels of God creating many things. He's created vegetation, the sun, the moon, the stars. He has created the animals and the living things, the cattle and the beasts of the field, and they're all bringing forth after their own kind. And now in verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. And so there's that word image. After our likeness. Now God is not a God of redundancy, and so that must be a different word. And in the Greek, it is, or in the Hebrew, sorry, we're in the Old Testament. In the Hebrew, it is a very different word. And I want to show you why that is so important this morning. So I want you to notice, first of all, we are created in his image. We are created in his image. That word image literally means to be patterned patterned after a semblance like a shadow. Now think about that, to be patterned after something. We just came through the Christmas season, and perhaps you ladies followed a recipe. You made a new dessert for the Christmas meal, and you followed that recipe that was laid out in a cookbook, and and you found out that it didn't taste exactly like the person who gave you the recipe. There's all kinds of factors, isn't there? There's different type of pot that you might use. Maybe you used a glass dish instead of a metal dish, or maybe you used a different type of uh, grease to grease the pan, or you used a different type of nut to put on top of the, the dessert. Whatever it was, it just came out a little bit different. You followed the recipe, 
You did to the best of your ability. You tried to be consistent. But that's what the word image means. It's not exactly the same, but it's like a shadow. If I were to walk across the platform, we have lights above me, and I would cast a shadow. And perhaps you could even see that shadow and say, well, that shadow, the head looks pretty round. It doesn't look like there's any hair on that head. Uh, Look at the size of that guy. It kind of looks like the shape of pastor. And and you might be able to discern from the shadow that's right here in front of me now, just by my body movements, the way I I look, my stature, all those different things, you might be able to say, well, that looks like Pastor Al. But it's really not me, is it? If I were to put a picture up on the screens and a picture of Ida, and I'd say, well, this is not my wife, but this is just a picture of my wife. That's what this word image means. It's not exactly the same, but it is cut from the same cloth. It is made to resemble. It would remind you of. It is just a semblance. But notice that next word. We are not just created in his image. We are created in his likeness. The word likeness, the definition of likeness is similitude. It means a visible likeness. It means that we have comparable traits, that we're very much the same. Several years ago, when my friend Jason Johnson died, I went over to his dad's house in Tilsonburg, and I knocked on the door, and when he opened the door, he had gone to school with my dad, and I went to school with his son. He answered the door, and he, looked at, he opened the door, and he looked at me, and he said, Les, he thought I was my dad. Now, I I don't know how to take that. I don't think I look like a 70-year-old man, and he hadn't seen my dad in a lot of years, I suppose, but there was enough resemblance that he thought I was my dad. Several years ago, I ran into a fellow in Simcoe who had been my dad's best man. I met him once when I was 14 years old. We were on vacation out on the East Coast, and my dad saw him pumping gas at a gas station we're at, and we went over, and I met him for the first time. And years later... Now I'm an adult, and he's, you know, I'm 35 years old, whatever it was, several years ago, and I was in the subway here in town, and he was there having lunch with his brothers, and I, I thought, boy, he just seems familiar to me. It looks like that guy I met some uh, 20 years ago. So I walked over, and I said, hi. I said, are you? And I named him, and he said, yes, are you Alan Fury? And I said, now, I was just a little boy when you met me last. I said, how would you remember me? He says, you furies all kind of look alike. That's what this word likeness means. In other words, when God made Adam, he made him in the pattern of God. He had emotion and he had a mind. He could reason and think. And, and he had a lot of those things that God had. But not only that, he made him to look like God. I don't mean that physically you could look at Adam and say, well, that's what God looks like. But I mean to say that when we looked in the eyes of Adam before the fall, before sin, there was a resemblance to God. There was a a reflection of God. We could see in him uh, the presence of God. He was the son of God, created in his image and created in his likeness. But I want you to notice, secondly, not only were we created for his pleasure, we were corrupted from his presence. We were corrupted from his presence. Look back in Genesis chapter 5, and I want you to notice the shift here. First of all, notice the shift. The Bible says in verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, 
made he him. There's that word again. We were made in the likeness of God. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Of course, Cain has already risen up and killed Abel and Cain has been cast out of the Garden of Eden and he has taken his wife and they have gone and they have started another town, a city called Enosh and there they would have their own children and so obviously Cain had other, or Adam and Eve had other children, sisters and Cain married one and off they went. But now immediately after the death of Abel, God gives them Seth to replace Abel. I mean, that sounds kind of cold, and I don't mean it to sound cold, but that's exactly what Eve says. God has given me a man-child to replace my son, Abel. But notice what it says. This son, Seth, was born in the image and the likeness of Adam. Now, you can say, well, that's not a big deal. That just makes sense to me. He is the child of God. God, had, there, was no, there was no earthly parents of Adam, so God uh, gave us Adam and Eve, and then from there we had children that have offspring. That is just the natural order of things. Let me ask you this. If you had a choice to be the image of God or the image of Adam, which would you choose? If you had a choice to be in the likeness of Adam or the likeness of God, the likeness of Adam means you are sinful flesh. The likeness of God means you are holy and right and separated. And that's how Adam and Eve lived until they fell, until they sinned. So there was a definite shift. Look at Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. The earth has become very sinful. The wickedness of man is coming up as an affront to God, and God destroys the earth. Genesis chapter 6, we find that Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord, and God tells him to build an ark, and he takes his wife, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives, and the eight of them would enter the ark after a hundred years of building it. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 9, and God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. And the fear of you, and the dread of you, shall be upon every beast of the earth, and upon every fowl of the air, and upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all things, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And so it sounds like God is giving them a fresh start. Before Adam sinned, there was no death. The Bible says, for as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. When we think about death, we think of perhaps the animals began to kill. Perhaps those animals that were previously herbivore now became carnivore and man had to fear for his life if he ran into a lion or a cougar or something in the wild. And, and so it totally changed mankind's sin. And we read Genesis chapter 9 and go, well, look at this. Man now has dominion over everything once again. But look at verse 5. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. God never made a threat like that to Adam and Eve. 
He never said to them when they were living in paradise in that place of perfection, listen, if you ever get out of line, I'm going to require your life. He never revealed to them back in those days that the wages of sin is death, but to Noah, he did. And I believe that we see a little bit of insight to when the wickedness was upon the face of the earth, what was the most prevalent sin? We don't know for sure, but look what it says in verse 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood. Whoso sheddeth man. This only sin that he talks about is the taking of life. Whoso sheddeth man's blood. Listen to this. By man shall his blood be shed. Why? For in the image of God made he man. Now notice the shift again. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 that we were created in the image and the likeness of God. But now in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6, God says to Noah, man was, past tense, created in the image of God. And you say, what's the big deal? He left out the word likeness. Think about this, if you will, for a moment. A lot has transpired since God created Adam and Eve. Several generations have come to pass, hundreds of years now. I believe it's 1,656 years from the time of creation to the time of the flood. I might be off by a couple years there, but I believe it's 1656. A lot of years have passed. Generations have come and gone. Many people have lived and died, including Adam, who, by the way, only died just, just shortly before Noah's father was born, Lamech. And so we, we understand that perhaps thousands of people have inhabited the earth and thousands of people have died, lived their lives and died. And in that time, sin has run rampant. Sin crept into the world through the fall of man by death, by sin, and, and, God, and God's creation was forever marred. And now when God says to Noah, understand what's going on here, it's important. God says to Noah, Noah, if you sin, if anybody sheds another man's blood, then I'm going to require their life. Because in the image of God made he man. What God is saying to him is, in the beginning, I created you to be a sentient being. I created you to have a mind and a will. I created you to have emotion. I created you to be able to have a relationship and, and communicate with one another. And I, I created you in my image. But the truth is, Noah, mankind doesn't look like me anymore. You're no longer in my likeness. You're only in my image. Isn't that kind of what's going on here? Sin has marred the creation. Man has fallen. And God, who created man in his image and his likeness, is now saying, you're only in my image, not my likeness. You don't reflect me very well anymore. Romans chapter 5 tells us, if you'll turn there tonight, or this morning, Romans chapter 5. And I quoted a little bit of this, but I want you to see it for yourself. Romans chapter 5. Verse 12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered in the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. 
For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. In other words, you didn't have to sin just like Adam. It didn't have to be after the similitude. It didn't have to be exactly or in the likeness of. He says, but who is the figure of him that was to come? Adam was a figure, a type, and he was representative of humankind. And so all of our sins come forth from Adam. I want you to notice the shift, but I want you to secondly notice the solution. Turn back to Genesis chapter 4, the very last verse. We've been reading Genesis 5, but look what happens here. Genesis chapter 5 is a recap. It tells us what has happened after it already happened. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 25, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. That's what we've already read about in Genesis chapter 5. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enosh. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. That's the solution. Man has sinned and fallen and no longer in the likeness of God. And God, Adam and Eve give birth to sin, a child born in his likeness and in his image, no longer resembling God. He said, what is the solution? Men in the days of Seth began to call upon the name of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us that mankind is justified only by faith. It is faith that is pleasing to God, believing that he is the only hope for our soul. This fact that the children of Seth, Seth and Enos and his offspring, that they begin to call upon the name of the Lord is a commentary uh, both on the state of the human condition, that they were separated from God, but also that man had a need for God. And so they cried out for him. That's the teaching. Understand this, and let me just recap it very quickly. Adam was created in the image and the likeness of God. Man sinned and fell. Later we see that shift as Seth was created in the image and the likeness of Adam. Later on, God would tell Noah, if you sin and if you fail, I'm going to take your life. Because when you take another man's life, you, it is an attack on the very image of God. But he doesn't use the word likeness anymore. Because of sin, we have stopped looking like God. Now, before we go any further, I, I don't mean to imply this morning, like the Mormons might, that we are to become gods. That's not what I'm implying at all. I am saying that we are to look like Christ. That's what the word Christian means, little Christ. We are to be conformed to the image of the Son. And that brings us to our third point this morning. We are to be conformed by His plan. Simply put, God has a plan for your life. You see, when we fell, when Adam fell into sin and we were no longer looking like God, God says, but I want you to look like me. I want you to, to start reflecting my glory. The Bible talks about, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, how we behold through a glass darkly even now, but we are changed into his image from glory to glory. 
God wants us to grow every day. He wants us to be more Christ-like every day. He wants us to reflect God every day in our lives. And you say, how do we do that? Well, he has a plan for that. We are to be conformed by his plan. Listen, we see that word conformed, and we don't like that word. We don't want to be conformed to anything. It sounds almost communistic uh, or, or what something Hitler did, that we must be conformed, all be the same and all looked alike. But listen, conformity is good if it is godly and biblical. We ought to be conformed to those things. Look, if you will, in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I told you you'd be moving your Bibles around this morning. So look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Here's God's plan threefold, all right? We're going to look at these three things. First of all, it is a spiritual conversion. If if we're going to reflect God in our lives, if we're going to look like Christ, first we must be converted. We must be children of God. The Bible says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We know that John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God. That's that word, that phrasing again. So we have to be born again by the Spirit of God. Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted into God's family, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. I don't have time to develop that thought too much glorified together, but it literally means what it sounds like. We are joint heirs with Christ and we will receive his glory together. One day we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ as our king. We will stand with him in that eternal kingdom and in the presence of his father and understand his glory. So first we Understand it's a spiritual conversion. Listen, friend, you say, well, listen, I just have this desire. I want to glorify God. I want to live for Jesus. I want to be conformed to the image of the Son. I want to point people to Christ. First, you must be saved. You must be born again. It's a spiritual conversion. Secondly, it's a spiritual craving. Look at verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature, listen to this, this is so good. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption in the glorious liberty of the children of God. We were once in bondage. And in corruption, that's what Adam's sin caused. And God says, you don't look like me anymore. God says, I'm going to deliver you from that corruption. Look at verse 23, or verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of, of our body for we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth why doth he yet hope for but if we hope for that we see not then we do then do we with patience wait for it notice what he says in verse 23 first of all verse 22 all of creation groans and then verse 22 we are groaning why because we already have the spirit of god 
It's just the first fruit stall. It's just the down payment. It's just a taste of what is going to happen. And what is it that we're looking forward to? What is it that we are craving? The adoption and the redemption of our bodies. He said, when, when can I start looking like Jesus again? Well, I want to show you in a moment that right now you can start looking like Jesus. You can be conformed to the image of the Son. You can start growing. And listen, it's a never-ending process. Every day you must go to God with your sin. And every day you must be cleansed by the blood of Christ. And every day we must, we must make sure we are keeping short accounts with God and walking in the Spirit of God. And the Bible says, walk in the Spirit and you'll fulfill not the lust of the flesh. It is a constant war of flesh against the Spirit. But this we know for sure. That when Jesus comes and redeems us, when he takes us home, we are free. Free from this sinful world, free from our sinful condition, and we will have a glorified body with him. And it's a spiritual thing that our bodies groan for. I've called it craving. But I want you to see this third thing, and here's where we're, we're going to look at real quickly. It is a spiritual confirmation, or conformation, sorry. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It is a spiritual confirmation. You know, in verse 28, we love that verse, don't we? We know that all things work together for good. Do you know that is not a prosperity gospel verse at all? That God is behind the scenes and Taking, we, we often preach it that way and think about it that way, that we're just taking all these bad things that are happening in our lives and God is putting them all together to be for the good. Tell that to the martyrs who died, who gave their lives. Tell that to those that are lying in bed suffering with cancer and you say, well, God's working all this together for good and they just suffer more before they die. That's because that's not what the verse is saying. The Bible has a very important word in verse 29. It's the word for or because. God is working together all things for good, but what is that good? Because those who he did foreknow, he predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son. The good that God is talking about is that we would look like Jesus. Let me put it this way. It's not about you. It's all about Christ. That's somehow we twist the scripture to make it sound like it's all about us. Now, understand this. I believe that God has a lot of good things for us. God has a bountiful storehouse of blessings. The Bible says he would open up the windows of heaven and pour it out that we might not have room to receive it. I understand that God blesses us in this walk day by day. I'm not trying to discount that at all. I'm just saying this very verse right here is saying God is working all things together for good. Why? Because those he did for no, he predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son. The very best thing you can hope for in this life is to be like Jesus, to reflect once again the likeness of God is a spiritual conformation. 
God sent his son to save you, change you, and conform you to the image of Jesus. Right now, listen, a lot of us, we look a lot like Adam. The Bible says that the first Adam was earthy. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this, Jesus was the express image of his person. You say, what is the difference? That is the only time in the entire Bible that word is used, the express image. It means an exact duplicate copy. We were created in the image of God. We were created like a shadow to kind of resemble, to look like God. But Jesus, when he came, he was the exact replica. He was God in the flesh. He was the express image of his person. That means that Adam was created in the image of God as a semblance or a shadow, but Jesus was God. That's why the Bible says we are to be conformed to the image of the Son. Let me give you this last thing very quickly. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. We are conformed by his plan, but we are completed by his power. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Completed by his power. As much as we walk in the spirit and allow God to work, we still wore the flesh. But there's a day coming. Look what it says in chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection. I'm sorry, I'm in 1 Peter, not 1 John. Let me turn over a couple more pages. I'm using my mother-in-law's Bible, and I'm still getting used to it. And it's a great Bible because it has large print. But I am not used to it just yet. 1 John chapter 3, and look at verse 1. We're almost there. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Isn't that, think about that statement, isn't that interesting? Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. If the world knows you, it's because you don't look like him. But the world knows us not because they knew him not. And it's talking specifically about those who are called the sons of God. Beloved, verse 2, now are we the sons of God and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. I want to say, first of all, that we will one day be in the image of God, the image of Christ, the likeness of Christ, because we'll be changed by his presence at his return. Changed by his presence at his return. When I was a boy, I remember when we got to be old enough, I suppose I was 12 years old or so, and my brother was 10. And mom and dad decided it was okay for them to go away for a day somewhere. Sometimes, and I know in the summertime, my dad always had Tuesdays off, and I know that sometimes they'd just get in the car and they'd go. Sometimes to, there was a market in Elmer, a farmer's market, and they liked going shopping there and stuff. And My brother and I were getting older, and we weren't interested in stuff like that, and so we'd stay home. And the moment they left, we would move all the furniture in the living room, and it was a wrestling ring. I mean, we would wrestle, we would fight, we would have them. I mean, it was fun. But we also knew that if they turned in the driveway a little earlier than we expected, we better get that furniture back real quick. 
I remember times when there was uh, babysitters when we were even younger, and we were, we were, we were up. Sometimes the babysitter was often my cousin, and they'd let us stay up late and past our bedtime and stuff, but we'd see those headlights turn in the driveway, and it was run and jump in bed and pretend you were asleep. I'm just saying that when, when our parents are around, our behavior changes. We try to get away with things when they're not there to monitor us. Do you know when Jesus shows up, it's going to change our behavior? When we stand in his literal presence, the Bible says we will be changed. We, we don't, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Think about that humbling moment. The only thing I can liken it to in the Bible is when Thomas said, except I see the nail prints in his hands and the wound in his side, I'm not going to believe it. And Jesus walked through the wall and said, go ahead and touch my hands. And he fell on his face and said, my Lord and my God. I believe we'll have that kind of revelation when we meet Christ face to face. Changed by his presence at his return. But here's the second thing. Changed by the power of his resurrection. Turn if you will to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're, we're just about done. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I know I say we're just about done and Brother Judge just laughs at me, but we, we are. Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. You can already see the change that takes place as we are raised. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that, afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, there it is, we are the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Here's the sad thing. We'll never be perfect until Christ comes and raises us. The Bible says right now we are to keep our body under subjection lest we become a castaway. The Bible says we are bought with a price. The Bible says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are reminded over and over again that we are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that we are to be more like him. And you say, why? That we might reflect the likeness of God. Jesus put it this way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Philippians chapter 3, Paul reminds us, for our conversation is in heaven for men also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. You know, sin has cost us much. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to give you two applications and we're done. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they fell because of sin. And because of that sin, they lost the likeness of God. They no longer looked like him. They could not represent him. 
It was not wise for them to go off and, and, and testify of, uh, of who God was when they were in their sin until they at least found forgiveness. He said, what about Noah? That was a fresh start. You get to about verse 15 in Genesis chapter 9 after that fresh start. And you will find that Noah was drunken and naked in his tent to his shame. It didn't take long for sin to creep back into the new world. And we lost that representation of Christ. And friends, I'm going to tell you every day the flesh wars with the spirit. But we must keep this body under subjection if we are going to represent Christ. If we are going to show forth the glory of God. If we are going to point people to a Savior who loves them. But secondly, I want to tell you this, there's hope. There's hope. Maybe you're tired. There's people here today that, uh, that are in our church family that are getting older and they're struggling with this body breaking down. Let me tell you this. The Bible says you're going to be raised in incorruption. That one day you'll have a glorious body. That one day what Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden, you will have it again when you stand before Christ and you're changed into his image. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment right where you are. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. And Father, we lost so much because of sin. And Lord, I had such a feeble attempt at trying to share this doctrine and this message. But I pray that you would take the thought, that twofold application, one, that we are to be mere images of Christ. That we are to show forth the glory of God. That we are to strive every day to keep ourselves under subjection. To take on that spiritual battle that exists that we might point people to Jesus and bring him much glory. But also that there's hope that one day in the consummation of our lives that we will meet Jesus face to face and forever put this body of sin behind us. Lord, I pray you to speak to hearts today, but Lord, maybe there's one who doesn't know Christ as Savior. They, they cannot solve this problem. They cannot find their way to God because they have never called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just like Seth called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Lord, I pray that they might cry out today. And so Father, bless this moment of invitation. Speak to our hearts. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.